0: Thank you. As we mentioned last night, the Shoal is at minimum capacity. This is going to be a joint effort between those who are, those who are Po, Imano, Iyong, those who are here in the Shoal and uh, the larger crowd um, tuning in on, on the Zoom. And those who are here, um, you're a fraction of those who want to be here. And we all have to pull our weights. So each one of you should take on the responsibility of three, and those who are at home have the responsibility of turning their homes into shuls, of uh, bringing the keynotes, bringing the themes of the day into your homes. So it's going to be a joint effort. Um, I just came running back from the other minion, in Heritage Hall. think back here, setting up these Minyanim, uh, leading into Titishba was not the most inspiring. Uh, way of coming into Tisha B'av. A lot of technical details. It's inspiring in the sense that we're able to um, to to allow to uh, to accommodate our, our community as much as we can. But there was a lot of running back and forth. And part of setting up the services for today and for all of Tisha B'av is trying to figure out what to do because we're we're stuck. from mikan mikan. Pulled this way and pulled that way. You know, on one hand, we would like to be able to do what we usually do, come to show on Tisha to sit, to contemplate, talk, to recite the Kinos, and to, to let that envelop us until at least midday. And this year, we can't do that. We always have this gnawing thing in the back of our minds that, you know, this is the Corona era. It's time to... To, to make things as short as possible, as truncated as possible. We are lucky that we have shoulder in the first place. Many, 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 many communities do not have even today, uh, you know, have even shorter services or have no services whatsoever. And so we're lucky in that sense, and we don't want to take it for granted. So we're stuck. How long should it be? How short should it be? This way, that way? Should, should we do? five kinos, should we do ten kinos, twenty kinos, how many should we present do we have one services where there's no explanation, another surface where there is explanation. I don't know. I don't know. We don't know. Nobody knows. No one knows exactly what to do or how to do it. No one knows really what Hashem wants of us. That's kind of the entire coronavirus theme. That's the message. Every, this is on everybody's lips. We don't know. We don't know. We don't know how long it's going to last. We don't know exactly how dangerous it is. We don't know how far you, exactly how far you have to be. Is it aerosols? Is it surfaces? Do masks help? Do they not help?
1: We don't know. It keeps
0: changing. We do our best to follow the recommendations and to be responsible for one another. Responsible for ourselves. The theme that comes up consistently and constantly throughout our lives during these past few months is: we don't know. Nobody knows. Doesn't mean that there's no. Um, medical knowledge doesn't mean that there aren't good recommendations but ultimately real knowledge, really what's going on with them nobody knows, everything changes every couple of weeks we feel, like, we feel like we're afloat on a great big ship all of us together, the whole world and it keeps turning this way and that way and if someone gets a good look at where the, where the wheel is, where the captain sits there's no one there. It's just flail. It's, it's spinning this way. It's spinning that way. Just a, it's a rudderless ship. It's a captainless ship that keeps, keeps turning. We're doing our best. We're the sailors. We're trying to get, guide things. We're doing our best. Our Hashem is guiding us to do a pretty good job as of yet. And we just don't know. That's, that's, the, that's the theme. That's kind of the, the overarching message of the period of time in which the entire world is in. We just don't know. Any O'Day. If it is. I don't know. I don't know. There's a story about uh, the soldiers um, that came to liberate the kotel in um, the course of liberating Yerushalayim. The story that goes that uh, this, there's an eyewitness account of one, one soldier, one religious soldier, as he came closer to the to the to the wall, as he came closer to the kotel, his he uh, started to cry, and he had a friend of his who was an ir- irreligious soldier, also taken by the moment, but not, not quite to the same degree, he said, oh, what are you crying about? And the famous answer that the first soldier uttered was very sharp. He said, I'm crying on what I'm not crying for. I think that means, he was also saying, I don't know. I know there is something significant here, but I don't really know what it is. In fact, itself is so very difficult. I just don't know. There's the difficulty of I don't know. Part of the difficulty of Tisha is that we don't even really know what we're crying about, what we're supposed to be crying about. There's a There's the lack of Hashem's presence in our lives there's tragedies there's the entire length of Jewish history that was filled with crusades and massacres and tragedies what, what, what's the exact and what does that do with me we just we don't know if you were trying to figure it out the Gemara says that the Shrushim, the roots of Tisha B'vot started with the Meravim the Chet HaMeravim the sin of the Spots and the Gemara says um, you cried a cry for nothing. I will set for you, I will fix for you a crying for generations. So what does that mean? What's, what's the idea? It sounds like, you know, Hashem is saying, you're crying for nothing? I'll give you something to cry about. But that's, that's not it. Hashem, Hashem is not like, Hashem is not us. He's not an upset father, or he's not upset with us. What is this idea of a Bechia of, of Shalchinam, of a meaningless, a baseless and a, a and they set year after year Now Obviously, my words are going to be very truncated, actually nearing to a close, just to give one idea here. The Bechia Shalchinam was the cry of the the spies, the cry of the Jewish people. And they cried because they weren't going to they felt that they were unable to continue in their mission to enter into Eretz Yisrael. And they even went so far as to say let's just go back to Mitzrayim. Hashem was presenting them with the opportunity to move forward, to stay connected to him. And they said, we don't, we don't know what to do. We just want to go back to Mitzrayim. We just want to go back. And their cry was a baseless cry. Just like we talk about the idea of sinas chinam, of baseless hatred as being one of the reasons of the the, destructions of the destruction of the Reis Unikdash and of the Golas and of the exile. Chinam means baseless. There's no reason for it. Their b'chiyah was chino, it was baseless. There was no purpose in their b'chiyah. It was a b'chiyah, it was a cry that didn't recognize that there was a direction. I I don't know what's going on, let's just just get out of here. Let's just go back to ride. They felt like they were on a ship with no direction. The rudder, the wheel was spinning, there was no captain. I don't know what's going on, let's get out of here. That's a bakhi a It's baseless. There's no reason for it. And it's also based in nothing. It's based in the feeling of nothingness. It's based in the feeling of confusion, of just not wanting to be involved, not wanting to be here. And Hashem in response said, You need an antidote for that bikir. You need some way of fixing that crime. What is that? I'm going to be t- going to be and I'm going to set for you a Bechiyah, cry every single year. But that's not a Bechiyah that's not baseless. There's a reason for it and there's a purpose for it and there's something purposeful about it. It's a cry that we don't know what's going on. We don't even know what to cry about but we cry because we do know that there is a captain at the helm. We may not see him. The wheel may look like it is is spinning about in, in, in randomness. But our b'chiyah is a set b'chiyah. It's a b'chiyah to cry with a purpose and with a meaning. It's the antidote to the b'chiyah of uh, nothing, I don't know what's going on, let's just forget the whole thing. It's an I don't know what's going on, let's figure it out, I don't know what's going on, and let's try to find a captain. That is our b'chiyah, that's our job, that's our goal here on Tisha. So we're about to recite a, a selection of, of kinos, and uh, the... Um, as I mentioned, usually we stay here for a longer period of time. We're forced into truncating our services today. Uh, we'll be reciting nine kinos today. A kino, which is a wailing lamentation, has the same letters as the word konet to acquire. And what we do when we recite kinos, in addition to reciting the holy words of the kinos, which are not obligatory, they're not prayer, but they do bring us in to Tisha Bav, They've been recited for thousands of years. And we recite them as a link in that chain. Continuing forward until the time we no longer have to recite them. So, but it's not just about reciting them, which is beautiful. Kona is to acquire. We're trying to get something. We're trying to acquire something to take with us. So usually that's a full journey into the breadth and scope of Jewish history and all the various kinos that were written throughout the generations. It's a journey, and this year we're not going to get to go on that full journey, we're going to have a snapshot, a sample, if you will. So we're presenting nine kinos and they re- represent different um, important themes within the kinos. There's a kino on Yerim um, kino on Yoshio, about the loss of, of great leadership. There's kinos that we've selected that reflect the loss, obviously, of the Beis HaMikdash. There's kinos by Hat HaKalir. Who is the famous Paitan, who We can't go to Tishvah without reciting his words. There are keynotes about the loss of Yerushalayim and the and Rabbi Huda, lady's desire to come back, to get back there. There are keynotes about the Crusades. Kinos about the loss of Torah scholars and Torah study. And finally, we'll recite a keynote um, about the most recent Korban that we suffered, that of the Holocaust. So those are our selections for today. I thank in advance our presenters. Rabbi Deutsch, Rabbi Silverman, Jonas and Gervant, and Rabbi Hiller. I ask Rabbi Deutsch to please come up and lead us in the first two kings.
2: The first kina we're going to do today is the kina Yud Aleph, which is uh, on page 182 in the article Kina's like Kunin Yulia. So this kina is based on the fourth parak of Ephah, where if you look at the fourth parak of Ephah, the first word of each of the psukim of the lines in that fourth parak, with 22 psukim, is begins a stanza in this kina, like Echayu In the fourth parak, how is it? How is it that the gold is dimmed? So we, in our kina, e'cha the second pasuk, on So we have the next Echah. Gan we have gone, so it's, it's very clear that the, the set this up. That this is <coughs> a reflection of the fourth parak of Echa, which obviously begs the question: Why is it that this kina, which talks about the death of Yoshiahu is connected to the fourth parak of Echa. And what is it that we are actually mourning? Many, many, many tragedies happened, including many of the Mafia Israel and Mafia Yehudo, were killed and assassinated and this one obviously is special And uh, every single year. We have to review and commemorate this. But in order to understand this, we have to understand a little bit more about who the man was, Yeshio. He was a great-grandson of Hizkiyo, King Hizkiyo of Iktzadik. That his grandfather was an infamous Menashe son of Hizkiyo. Quote a few psukim to give you a little bit of an understanding of who Menashe was. It says, <laughs> "Menashe lay Yosha, Yehel, and Bamos. Asher ibad Chizkiyahu." Menashe went and rebuilt Chizkiyahu, got rid of Bamos where these the renegade places where people brought karbonas, which was not permitted in the times when there was a Beis HaMikdash, his got rid of them, and Asher went and built them up again. And and he built Mizbechos for the Baal worship, the Baal worship. made a tree worship, HaSher HaSher In comparison to the wicked king Achav, the king of Israel and he bowed the and he worshiped these idols. and he built altars, misbakhos to all these idols, in the chater of the Baisamikrash. Asher and then this is husband describing what Menagea did He built this idol In the Baiz Hashem, In the house that Hashem told David and Shlomo his son Ba Baiz Hazem, this house of Yerushalm, HaShem, the fire team, we call Shifte Yisra And Yerushalm, which I chose Asim e Shemile Olam I'm going to put my, my name here It's going to be forever in this place that's where Menashe put up this Pesel Ha'ashayuah as it continues and much, much innocent blood did Menashe spill at Asher Milei Yisri Shalayim Yerushalayim was filled with blood from mouth to mouth, meaning from gate to gate That's Yoshio's grandfather and his father, the next king, Amon, also describes him and Yalef of and who did everything that his father did. Amon after two years was killed by his own servants. And the people then killed the insurgents and put Yoshio on the throne at age eight. So, look at what was going on. In these were horrible times. By this time, the ten and the seven were already gone. They were already in exile. The state of Malthus Yehuda this is what the state of Malthus Yehuda was. It was an eight year old on the throne, and this was what was going on. And this Yojio at age 16 started seeking, it says, started seeking at Hashem. By age 26, he's, sorry, he made a campaign. He wanted to renew the Beis Hamikdash. And while he was in the process of renewing the Beis Hamikdash, the Pasuk describes that Matzach Yelki Yahu HaKoin, Yelki Yahu HaKoin, the Yelki Yahu is <laughs> the father of the Navi Yirmiyahu. He found this Sefer Torah Hashem yad Moshe. In the basement, of mentor, found the original Sefer Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote that was at the, was held, stored at the side of the Arun HaKodesh. It was hidden. Apparently it was hidden because they didn't know, they were afraid it was going to be defaced by all these kings and their, their uh, henchmen. Pilbiyo found that Sefer Torah and it was Rolled to the Torah, and he opened it up and saw that he saw it as a song. So he brought it to Yoshiyo, <clears throat> and Yoshiyo looked. This is in Parshas Ki Savo, and it says there: "Oru the one who doesn't uphold the words, and he said, Alai, la, hakim. it's my responsibility to uphold it." And he went on a campaign systematically, getting rid of all the Azara, uprooting, took Koanim's graves of Koanim who were serving, the Koanim who were serving the, the Abazara. He took their bones <coughs> and burnt them on these altars and, and the altars of the Abazara, Eradicated everything. And he started in Shawaim, he went to Yehuda, and he even went into the territory of Manasseh and Ephraim, places which the Jews were already exiled from. Get rid of it all. He called everyone together to the Besam It says in the passage called Ish, Yehuda, Abiyosh, everyone. Yerushalayim, Yehuda, Kohanim, Palavim, Kol Mikaton, everyone from youngest to oldest. And he read the Sefer Torah in front of them, Habris Hashem. And then he made a covenant with them, with Hashem to do what? To follow Hashem Complete turnaround And we read this every single Pesach In <coughs> this year, in the he was 26 years old in the 18th year of his reign made carbon Pesach which we read about in the Torah and <coughs> the Pesach Yendeevayam describes it There was no Pesach like this Hundreds of years. <laughs> the entire tukufa, there was never a like this. <clears> Those <throat> people, for the first time in hundreds of years, were totally unified. It's an amazing experience. And the Pastor testifies about Yoshiah. <laughs> and there was never a king like it who returned to Hashem and with his entire heart and soul To torres Moshe, through everything that Moshe said to the Torah of Moshe, lo komo and there never will be anyone like that And the Medrash tells us that at that time Yermiyo HaNavi actually went to Ashur to try to bring back the Asaras HaShavati but That's what the, this was Hope there was hope finally. Finally, finally, in the days of Yoshio, Ten were already, Yoshiyo's bringing everyone back. When Yoshio tragically was killed in battle. That's where it says the opening line of Arkina is in the it's in the play. Unfortunately, Yoshio was too optimistic. He thought that the people had come further than they had. And he thought that there was enough of a merit and quality for them to win a battle that he shouldn't have engaged in. He thought that they were holier than they were. But in truth, they were hiding about the stars in, their, in their closets that's described in this, you know. You now they came to shul and in public They were doing everything right, and at home, they had their secret lives at home and the people weren't as meritorious as he had thought. So he went to battle thinking that they would win and he was killed by the archers of the Tragically, tragically, ironically, he was killed the same way that King Ahab was killed by an archer. And as he, as he uttered his dying words, he said the immortal, immortal words that are actually recorded in the first paragraph of Eichah, Sadiq Hu Hashem, Yifihu Norisi. Hashem is righteous. I was the one who did that. I rebelled against His word. And that was, that was the end. That was the end of the final hope that Kali had to turn around. <coughs> and it's in the Vua of Amos on, in Parakes. He says the following words which they <coughs> the unfortunately say are attributed, that they were referring to his Yah, which says the Hayyawah, and that day he says Hashem. Hashem Hashem is that I'm gonna cause the sun to set. In midday. I'm going make it dark in a beautiful bright day. I'm going turn your holidays into morning, and all your songs into dirges. The Gemara says that that refers to the sun setting in midday at age 39. The, man was, was, the sun was rising. The sun was rising, and Kali was rising. He was the man who was going to bring, Had a chance to bring Kali to its, uh, its destiny, and it's, its set in the and that's what Arkina comes with. A little perspective on what happened, what was this event, what it was all about. And, and the pastor says as follows, like, There we go. <clears throat> eulogized, and gave a dirge on Yeshiyo, Bayom luk l'chasharim b'chasharos be'kinah se'hem al-Yoshi'ahu And all those who sang so with the singing of this kinah said about Yoryeo ad-hayom to this very day. Bayitmum l'chok al-Yisrael And they made a statute that we should mourn Yoshi'ahu V'hinam k'suvim al hakinos This is all in the Pesuv. V'hinam Kesubim al hakinos And the third kina for Yahushu is in the kinos, which is Echah. That's part of Echah. The kina on Yirmiyo is part of Echah. And the Ghazal tells us that that is Perik Dalid includes all the, the references that Yirmiyo in his day who wrote Echah said about Yoshi-yahu. The Eicha Yuham the opening words of Parakdalit. how is this gold dim to frame to the gold that was the, <coughs> the shine, the bright, Yahu. famous pasuk Ruach Hapein Mashiach Hashem, in Parag Ruach Hapein Mashiach Hashem, which the Targum which translates as, Yoshi Yahu, the King Yahu, the Hava Chavi Vrlana, who is dear to us, and Nishmas Ruach Chaim like our own breath, Hashem Nil was trapped. that we said that Silo, we thought that Silo and his shade and his chlus will be able to survive, will be able to live amongst the, the nations. It's the Perik Dalla refers to other things as well. It's like, it continues, it talks about not only, not only that tragedy, not only the tragedy that the first they even talks about the tragedy of the second Corban in the Paragdala It talks about Golus Edom, our Golus But
1: in Paragdala is
2: woven in those references to Yahushua And Rashi says on the Pesach, it says that we made this with Chok Al Yisra, that this is made to be a Statute Listen to these words, but they are very relevant to us when the opportunity comes, <laughs> that we have to that people have to cry <coughs> about things that are happening. <laughs> when we cry about other tragedies, we include this with that. This tragedy of Yoshio, we include that. Dugma, life the above, this is Rashi speaking. Like in Tishabah, Shemaz azkirim al Harugim, Shem, Bixerus, Shiru, Just like on Tishabah, that we mentioned the people who were killed in our day, Rashi lived through the first crusade. Just like we have a keen on what happens in our days, what do we do? We do it on Tishabah,
1: Ayidim, and
2: things that happen, we mention Yoshi really this kina, the, the kina of Yoshio, is the original, the first part of Eifa, the, the, the original part before the Kupan Abayis took place, this part was written by Yoshio. I want to point out one line before we start, where the end of the you kina know, that I feel is, is a little bit hopeful and uplifting. In the second to last paragraph the following two lines appear, second to last paragraph of Arcana. it says Tohla be'esrim ushtayim was suspended for 22 from destroying the Foundation. I'll explain that in a second. Echa because I eulogized him with words Echa be'esrim with 22 words. Twenty-two letters, meaning that they made a hesped for Yoshiyahu with twenty-two letters meaning Aleph Beis Like we have every paragraph of the last is an Aleph Beis order <clears throat> Because of that, it was suspended for twenty-two, destroying the foundations, which means from the time the Yoshiyahu died, really at that point, our, our fate was sealed. The base should had been destroyed right then and there. But because they were a hesped of 22 lines for Yoshiahu, it was suspended, the Khurban it was suspended for 22 years. It only happened 22 years later. Which means that the Hesbit itself, the recognition of loss, and remembering, if we want to know how to get it back, remember Yoshiahu, Alila HaKim. It's our responsibility to uphold just that kept the base of Mikosh alive for 20, 20 standing for another 22 years. So Mr. Shan, at least this, are reading this every year. The 22 stands this year <clears throat> and that recognition, Amir should be as close cool as to bring it back.
3: Okay. जो एशिया और बाकी नहीं है ना नहीं तो भी है ना कोई नहीं है तावे कौन ऑफिस और कंप्यूटर तो नहीं है हो जाएगी हमें अनुवाद करते of his and I shivered his heart. He don't know if he was in my world. يلا <speaking> نعمل <in Spanish> <speaking in Spanish> It's a Is in a little a a <laughs>
2: brief introduction to the next Kina days, and you are to consider also by Rilke Khalir. and this kina is in also Ales-based order, but reverse Ales-based order. Ashrak. There's certain poetry in this kina that, to me, seems to drive home a message, they, each of the stanzas has the same pattern: three parts of the uh, of the stanza. It starts with "ahali," "ahali." My tent, which was referring to the base of Mikdash. and there's, there's something beautiful about the base "Oh Olia share my tent. That's something beautiful about it. And then lomolonetzach, why for eternity? Paraphrasing the one of the last sukim of Eicha, lomolonetzach, why for eternity? You forget us. It has to end. Lomolonetzach can't be forever. V'nihiesa is the third part, and it describes them. What's Hashem? Where are you? V'nihiesa, you became? And then it describes Hashem as, as if weak, unable, uninterested, somewhere else. And concludes that, V'nihiesa concludes with a passive which ends with the word, "po." So that's a, each of the standards has a pattern, recurring pattern. <clears throat> Ending with the word "po" and the rhyming, the rhyming sound is is the word hope I give you two examples of that, and then I think what I, a, a message or a thought that I believe comes out of this. I'll take the very first stanza: "Olia, I thank that you, Hashem, desired before there was a world, before the beginning. In the that with the throne of Hashem and the Kisei Hakavod, you joined it parallel means that the Beis HaMikdash was parallel to it tells it's parallel to the Kisei HaKavad Hashem's throne That's the beautiful Beis HaMikdash Ahalot Lama I be shudavi ag showed it's a plunder by plunderers? And you, Hashem, v'nyi yesa, keroa like a hidden shepherd through ashtavara ganto, you complained, what place do I have here? I don't belong here. And so you have the <clears throat> rhyming with <clears throat> Take just another example, the fifth stanza, which is the bottom of the page of page, uh, 188 <clears throat> which you directed to be opposite your dwelling place L'chofif <laughs> l'chupa, like hover over it, like a chupa. Now l'ma l'ma tzach gobiya, you hear how is it that forever it's now, like shoveled by the arrogant enemies. In yeisem yu, Hashem, like you toss the d'chol, like you're floating in a vacuum. The enod Nabi, and there's no prophet, the namtaan use that, the enko, which is quoting a passive, in, uh, in Malachan, it says, if there's no navi, there's no one who can give us direction. That's the, that's the pattern of each one of these stanzas. So but to me, the choice of the words, ahali, for the base which is not the normal way we refer to the Beis Amikdash, right? <coughs> ahali, my tent, right? And the poem, as the refrain, <coughs> brings an image, the following image, because an ohel, Besides the fact that an ohel bespeaks lack of permanence, not a bias, it's an ohel, besides the fact that it's, it, it <clears throat> brings home that point that was fleeting. It only lasted for a relatively short amount of time. It also has a certain image of intimacy. Whereas a bias has its own definition, has its own structure. An ohel is just a place where people, get under the same tent a bunch of people are individuals in a parking lot. <clears throat> They're individuals. You put a tent over it, they belong together. There's a certain, we're now one. But just by the fact that we're under that tent, like we, it, we would use the expression an umbrella, right? The same umbrella, right? the same tent. So the ohel is the thing that takes individuals and gives them commonality. In the on Hamikdash, oheli was a thing that gave us commonality, gave us United us, to give us a sense of purpose. And what was it? <clears throat> what was it that in the Beis Ambikdosh they gave us an, it was the Po. I was here, I belong, my place, it's, a, it's an anchor. So, when we say Loma Lanetsa, the is saying each one of these things, Ali, my tent, right, the place that gave us Loma Lonezza, right? Why? It happened in eternity. It's gone forever. Hey, and you're not here. Where's our home? Where's our place? Where do we belong? And so when we say this keynote, this I think this it brings out this image, this imagery of what we're looking for back to being in the open. We want to be back where we have the common purpose, where we're united, and we have the sense of hope, that we belong, we're in the presence of a child.
3: All the other things. These the other things the other Last of the year, the other day, 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 the Portejo dos professor da Vanessa Rio Via de Queirie, é isso aqui para saber poder nada disso. Ó, Viache do, all the ones that look is, and give her as <Sess-> an answer. As you go, let me start, he's the the next keynote that will be recited is
0: Kina twenty one. Are This kina was written by one of the Bauei Atoskos. It was written about one of the most tragic events that ever happened. Didn't all happen at once, but there was a common theme. The 10 greatest Torah scholars, the Miraclean family, Mudeola, who were martyred by the Romans. We recite a longer account of these terrible tragedies on Yom Kippur, but there's a significant difference between what the reason and what we are trying to do as we recite the Kina today versus that of Yom Kippur. I'm not going to go into the details of the Kina, we'll read it along together. You can follow along in the English. Many know the horrible, terrible, tragic accounts of the torturous deaths that these, can't call them people, that these angels upon earth suffered. But the difference between the reading on Yom Kippur and on Tishibov is a sad one. On Yom Kippur, the idea of us reading about these martyrs is because there's this notion that the death of the tzaddikin, of these great scholars, somehow helps the rest of Qal Yisrael Atom for their sins. That's why we're reading on Yom Kippur. It's in an effort to further our process of atonement, of forgiveness. But on Tisha B'av, we're not focused on that. We're just focused on the loss. There's a story told of trying to get an understanding as to who these men were, the Chaim Sanzer. I have a story here in Hebrew. I was going to read it in English as I read along. There was once a son and a father who came in to greet him. The father, was telling the, the father told the client Tzanzer, the great Tzanzer Rebbe, that his son was very, very successful in learning. But he wanted the Rebbe to infuse within the son some Shemay, some fear of heaven, to ensure that the learning Torah comes along with Yerashemai. So important, as the Mishnah us says. So the tzaddik, the great sage, asked the great uh, leader, or prime tzaddik, asked the boy what he's learning. And he said that he's learning this and this, these certain sukyos, certain sections of the Talmud, about a machogus between Abaye and Rav. And the tzaddik, the story says, refers to them. He turns to the boy and he says, Who is Abaye? Who was Rav? And the boy looks at him blankly, and he says, You want to know who Abayah and Ravah were? HaKadosh Baruch Hu took out of his heavenly furnace a burning ember, a fire of spiritual power, and he threw one down to the world. That's Abayah. And he took another fire and burning ember of light, of warmth, of Torah, of passion. He threw that down to the earth. That's Rava." And the story goes, the boy never forgot those words, and every time he recited, he said the names of Avai and Rava, he shuddered. He shuddered in awe. He shuddered with warmth and with a glow, but also in, a, in an awe and a fear. That's who Avai and Rava were, said the Tzaddik. These great sages are all, are all glowing embers. They gave light and warmth to a cold world. They're embers with which the world perhaps wouldn't even exist, certainly not the way it is, maybe not at all. We can't imagine who they were. Just as an aside, as a Mayer as a, um, as a piece of advice in, uh, I grew up in Silver Spring, in the Silver Spring Yeshiva, the Bikinos there are led by my Rebbe, Rebbe Aram Mapianski, and every year they have a tradition uh, at this Kina, Kina arze halvano, cedars of Lebanon, the giants of Torah, dire Torah to Rab'am gives a snapshot into one of the martyrs of the most, our most recent Korban, the Holocaust and he talks about how these men were not just men, they represented entire worlds of, of Torah and there he talks about every year how sometimes we can lose the forest for the trees or the trees for the forest. And we kind of, like, say all the keynotes together, and it's very hard to focus on anything, and so what he does is every year he gives a short biography of one of of the most recent um, uh, martyrs uh, who who had a position of influence before the war and continue to influence our our lives to this day, and I highly recommend uh, sometime today uh, when you go home, we have links on our, on our, web, uh, our website and email to our Kino. Kino. Kino number 21 every year is a short biography that really takes you into a whole other world. And one of the things he mentions there in his introduction every year is that it's like somebody who comes and he uh, makes an elaborate dish with an amazing amount of ingredients and effort and work and processes and preparing that dish and a hundred different types of spices and then somebody else comes along and just takes the whole thing and gulps it down in one shot. Did he eat it? Yeah, he ate it, but I mean, it, doesn't, it doesn't at all reflect what went into it. And that's kind of what we do on Tisha And with this kina specifically, we just like gulp it down. Today, and on Yom Kippur, we, we, just, we, we, we don't stop to focus on what, who these men were, what they did for the world. And so we're not going to today because of the reasons we mentioned before, but I recommend, uh, if you have tried later today, in addition to the other wonderful, wonderful, things that are available online, that's another, um, um, another thing connect, that is connected to this keynote. Let me mention two more things. Um, I once had a Rebbe who, uh, when I was 18, I was 18 years old, I was in Israel, and, uh, and there was somebody in the yeshiva who didn't know who Rabbi Moshe Feinstein was. He was a European, and he heard the name, didn't understand who he was. And he turned to one of my rebbeying at a Friday night tish, and he asked him like, oh, can you explain who Rabbi Moshe Feinstein was? I remember, remember this distinct he was 18. And the, this Rebbe got up like, <laughs> like he'd been hit by something. He said, you don't know who Rabbi Moshe Feinstein was? He said, I'll tell you who Rabbi Moshe Feinstein was in the shortest way I know how. If you would take Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, this is very graphic, you would take Moshe Feinstein and you would cut his veins. He wouldn't bleed blood. He would bleed Mesetas bava kama. His blood would ooze Torah. That's who he was. Very strong imagery. These men, their entire beings. If you would cut any one of him, any one of them. They would be bleeding Torah, spirituality, and life, and goodness, and warmth, and Hashem. It's unfathomable that their blood was shed like this. Unfathomable. It's literally the blood of Torah being shed. The only way I would express that is by the words of the Piyasetson Rebbe. I came across this last night. It's a little photocopy of a letter written by... P.S.S. Navevi, the H. Kodesh, who perished also in the Holocaust. And he was in the Warsaw ghetto, providing chizit and strength and direction. We had his, his books and we, we grew from them. Let me just read you a couple of his words and then we'll recite the it together. And I realize these are different, uh, these are uh, disparate, you know, it's not one contiguous flow, but there's a lot here. But anyway, what he writes, um, just a couple of lines the words of the Hesest in a letter that he wrote in the Holocaust. It's a prayer to Hashem. Master of the world, who listens to the sound of cries. What are you going to do with all the tears of the Jewish people?
2: It's, it
0: flows so greatly. The Imecha Gats Na Elo in these days. Umata says, "In Kol Yeme Kol Yemecha the Maos, what are you going to do with all the days of tears? Shem Nishvachu beEstim Shalom that were filled in the past twenty-two years? Twenty years. V'nigru MeMos v'nigru MeMos hanevian va'ata, and these are all drawn from the." from the days of the Prophets until now. kodesh Are all these flowing rivers of fire going to be a lost? This is the line that I wanted to bring out. What are you going to do with your own tears? What are you going to do, Hashem? I can't say this. You can't say this. With your own tears that you cry every single day on our destruction and on our pain. It's an amazingly powerful letter, amazingly powerful words. This is just the opening paragraph. I can't say anything different. When we read about these um, terrible losses the veins of torah that have been cut we should remember that not only are our tears shed at this moment but karish Baruch hu kavya Baruch himself is crying along with us hinagah alafas <laughs> is 250 page
3: two fifty, this is sort of you The hurry laboration is at home uh, and the bottom show of
4: Another <laughs> I <laughs> have but a
3: that came out of my land, came out going show
0: neighbor.
5: next Kinna we're going to do is Choch Ches 28. There are various editions of the Kinna's in the newer edition of Art Schools on 292, and an earlier edition, I believe, of 286. Choch Ches, Kinna 28. Eich As we age, our community ages, and people get older, No one is impervious to death, people in the community, people in our families, illness, anyone who has experienced the loss of a parent, loss of a spouse, the bit of children, the period of time of losing a parent, losing a dear one, It's very hard to be comforted. The no words, there's nothing that could be said, there's nothing that could be done that could take away the pain the person is experiencing. Time, working through, processing, speaking to people is all part of a process that we do in the Avegus period of time. But anyone who's been through the experience we all have to some degree know of that inability to let go of the pain and suffering. Rabbi, Rabbi Lazar Kalir taps into that feeling, that feeling, that helpless feeling of not being able to be comforted in this kinah, and he steps back with a 10,000 feet picture of Klaal Yisrael's history and as the author representing Klaal Yisrael, he writes about how we have been through so much together, historically, and we're never able to be comforted from all of those things that have happened to us. How could we ever be comforted from all the loss of lives, the loss of the Beis HaMikdash, the loss of communities, the loss of Messorah, the loss of Torah, the loss of scholars, the loss of our bearings, our guidance, leadership. How can we be comforted? Eich enochem. This Kinnah is goes through several points in our history, many of you are familiar, are all familiar with the fact that Khalil Israel has gone through four golus and four exiles. We are in the last, the final exile, the golus of Edom. And Rabbi Lazar writes in this kina of each of those golus and asks after each one, How can I be comforted? If you're able to follow along, I just want to pick out a few of the paragraphs to read so that as we read through it ourselves, should stand out a little bit, appreciate what Rabbi Lazar Akali was referring to. It starts by Eich tenafanuni Havel." How can I be comforted with words that don't do anything? They don't comfort me. Kino re Na evel The musical instruments that Used to play song and rejoice with our relationship with Hashem, the Beit Lidash have become instruments of mourning. Anachalas chevel It's carrying such a burden. Eich asks Rabbi Lazar Kalir be Eich and Achem, How could I be comfortable? Skipping down to it's written alphabetical order, the paragraph that begins with hua, letter hay. Hu al-Ariyeh is the first reference to the Golus of Bovel, Hu al-Ariyeh, Ariyeh is the Lion, Nebuchadnezzar, Mesubcho. al Ariel the Hisvichol, he came on to Ariel Ariel is the Beis HaMegdesh, the Heglo Mesubcho, from the Sukkah, that's how we refer to the Beis HaMegdesh, Minchaso, the Nisko, so the Mincha, the Nasokhin, all of those were put into Golus taken into Golus. Our fame, and he asks, and how will I be comforted? Skipping ahead to letter, Tess, Tassa Madai. In many editions, it's already on the next page. Tassa Madai. Me- media, that's Paras and Madai. Persia, they flew by quickly. Hamudai, destroy my dear ones. Madai. And it ruled over. In the Muda, the, the place, the cherished place that I should have had, the temple, the kori Madai, and I tore my clothing, I rented my clothing out of mourning. The and Al how could I be comforted? Skipping they had the letter Khof Khovdashmishis, the third of the four Golasan, that's Yovan. It was oppressive. Al kodesh reishis, it came on into Eretz Yisrael, and there, the shetzef harishis. It was a, a deafening storm. What they did, the way they, they influenced so many Jews to leave their commitment to Yiddishkeit, basaloshis. It came to destroy, to devastate. The How can I be comforted? Two more later, just a letter, Mem, Marda, Edom, Edom, the fourth and last of the Golosan, Adushas Adom. Its name comes from the lentils, that's Asav, the red lentils that Yaakov gave to Asav. But Otsav is and it was. it also came with such, such defiance. It came quickly. La Ave case, the hadom key case is the case called. He said the throne of Hashem, the hadom and the footstool, the base on the the ech, and alchem. Later on, Ladi, letter sadi, sorrows al sorrows. This is pretty straightforward. They can, the, the author sometimes it's actually possible to read the words and understand them. Sorrows out sorrows. It's pain after pain. Zum yitzu zeroes one worse than the next, gedolos ubeziros, arukos, below If you can just turn to the end of the paragraphs, the last four, three, kapitlach. This author, Rabbi Lazar is trying to express the, the, the depth of despair, of not being able to be comforted. Shamata says to Hashem, Hashem, you've heard Cherka's song. You heard their how they revayish us, Kherfuni Bisvasam, Shivtam, Bikimasam, Anima manginasam they make a melody out of us, they make a, a, a cat call, they, they 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 speak to us in such and speak about us in such a, a, a derisive way, the eich and a khame. How can I be comforted? Tikvaschem they ask us to the Jewish people, where's your hope? What are you doing here? Shem is angry with you. The Ain owed their there will be no no rufuah. How are we supposed to heal with such taunting by the nations of the world? And the Lazar Khalir in his style concludes. The positive note, Your answer, Hashem, remains hidden as they make light of us until you look out from above he you bring us up and then finally with the rebuilding of the third day, the cactus of Klal Yisrael's mission in this world will be complete. The Oz and
6: Al-Khelm.
5: Kina Chof Ches, again 292 in the later editions, 286 maybe in some earlier editions. Yonoko Shankana, Daisuna, the and the Motion, and the Lord, and the Raga money, Mishapati money,
4: the
5: the she holy she the I the of the I have understood that this is the case of the to no be the country? I have told you that I have told you
3: that I
5: Abel's son of the side was I was on her feet, so the the next kinna we're going to do again in the truncated form that we have today is Lamed Aleph, Ash Chukad Bikirbi, Lamad Aleph thirty-one. In the more recent editions of the Art Scrolls, on page three ten, and maybe in the older editions, it's I think I believe it's three hundred and four. Again, Kapitol by of Lamed Abba, 31. My uh, masora on um, Tishbub comes from Camp Monk. I spent many, many, over 36 summers in Camp Monk. If you feel Arya Cohen Monk, the founder of Camp Monk, was the chief rabbi of Berlin. And um, he escaped literally um, right after an interrogation by the SS and he got his brother's passport, and he was able to come to England, and eventually came to the United States. And he brought with him a Sura, a tradition, which has to do with the three weeks in general, and Tisha B'Av specifically, came from the German community. This Kinnah compares and contrasts the Etziah's Mitzrayim, the Exodus from Egypt, and the Yitzhak from Yerushalayim, the Exodus from Eretz Israel, from the Beis Midgash. Apparently, in the communities in Germany, they sing this Kinnah, and they compared and contrast the lines, singing the lines about Yerushalayim, and we left with our, our heads high as we escaped from the Yitzhakim. And we went to have a relationship with Rivon Shalom and Harsina, and eventually coming to Eretz Israel, and our hands were high, the Yad Brahma, and so we sing that loud. In contrast, we left Uru Shalayim with our heads down, and therefore that phrase, the second phrase, is said very quietly. You see us, we're trying this our greatest, arguably the greatest moment of Kali Yisrael. When we were taken to an Am Hashem, we were taken literally into Hashem's hands. We left Yitzrayim, we had no way to escape, no way out. Rebona Shalom came and took us out and brought us to be his people. The Ma'ara points out that Klai Yisrael is Nigav. We were redeemed and we achieved a certain height that no other nation has ever achieved. We were La Mailamina Teva, La That was how we were able to relate to the Ribon Shalom. By being lifted up out of the Teva, the world of Teva, the world of nature. We are commanded to do all of the mitzvahs. When could we do all of these mitzvahs? When would say only when the Ravon took us out, separated us from the Amin, were we able to be a nation that could perform those mitzvahs. It was that Chibur to the Ravon Shalom, the connection to the Ravon Shalom that Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim gave us, that we are able to do all of the mitzvahs. What did we do to merit that? What was it that Claudius Yisro had done to merit a relationship with the Ravon The Maharal suggests that it was our shiftless it was our humi- humility, Shafel, we were low. It was precisely being Humble people was precisely being low, precisely being little in our own eyes, that the Ribbon Shalom was lifted us up and brought us to be such a significant and important people in world history. This Shifu's Haggadah. We see throughout Chazal, throughout our tradition, Purish like we say in Davin, this G'mashpil Ge'yeh, He puts down those who are arrogant, who Mag'biyah and he raises up those who are low. Esther, the heroiness of Purim, she was Elo Av aim. she was a Yasoma. that's who saved, that's who was able to lift the Jewish people up, Chazal tells us that when a person is ill, when they're physically not well, they're low, they're not feeling ill, Hashem rests on a Cholam. And the Devi'ev are replete with references, to Israel being Dach E Ruach, crushed, crushed, crushed in spirit. And that's where the Rebam Shalom comes to take those people, there's a Pesach in the Torah, and you i going to read it soon. Lo It's not because of the many, the multitude of the Jewish people. Kim atem amen. You're the smallest of all of the nations. The simple, the pshat reading is about the number of the Jews.
1: but it also references
5: the ma'at, the lowness of the Jewish people, the humility. It's not because you're balei Gai, but it's not because you think that you're in charge, it's because ma'at, that you carry yourself with that sense of humility. Ma'at, that we are only a keli, a utensil for the ribon shalom. What happens when we don't conduct ourselves that way? we have another yitzia, another exodus, which crushes us. It doesn't lift us up. And That's the yitzia from our goals. When we are not conducting ourselves, when we, Klaw Yisrael, are carrying ourselves in a high-handed manner, in an arrogant fashion. Rav Chaim Kanievsky points out that first, the opening passage, like, Eicha Yashva Badad, Klau Yisrael remains alone. Am. Why do we sit alone? Why are we down? Because we were Rabasi. Because we conducted ourselves in an arrogant fashion. We made ourselves into successful people. We showed our success. When we carry ourselves in such a fashion, then we're going to end up being Yashva Badad. The Yitzya from from into golos The Yitzya from our Geula into was precisely did precisely what we should have done. It crushed us, and we became dak ruach. We became low Ma'at, We became Shafoen, That's what the golos does. It crushes us. This kina highlights the contrast between the Yitzya to our greatness and the Yitzia, where we failed, going out into boats. We confront challenges every day, each and every one of us, on a personal level, and our families. We confront challenges in our community, and Qal Yisrael confronts challenges nationally and internationally. The purpose of all of these challenges is to make us humble recipients, recipients, of the Rebbeim Shalom's bracha. Rav Chaim Shnilavet says, "When does Klali Yisrael return? Shuvah Hashem, Shuvah Ad Hashem Lo Ki Chashaluto Ba'al It's through the Kishalom through are tripping up in fate, when we fall, that's how we come back. So, this kinam, I'm going to ask everyone to join me in a sing the first, we're going to sing the first line of each capital, each paragraph, loud because it's a bit and then quietly in contrast to when we left Yerushalayim, from Yerushalayim. You'll we'll see some of the names and some of the players in the Calum of the Besam Middash. And then, of course, what we left behind when we left. And in the end, the last line, as we find is the theme of the Kina. We end with two positive notes. It says, We should have joy and simcha when we return to Yerushalayim. Sing both of those lines. of once. Capito or Kin Alam and Aleph, page 310, in the later editions, 304, in the earlier edition. Aish to Kadikir, the Bahalo, see Ali, the betsay, see, in its triumph, <laughs> in my ski on and in as she
6: heard
5: the me of the on the dead, in its running. A common sense, shock, it in its <Hebrew> Shall buy him. The God shall says in its writing. Long of says in its Go ring shall buy O my record, I know I gave a show fell as live by night. Zerach, um min el says <laughs> in its and ha-bish, ha-be-tzezi, lim shavot, so Says you shall. in my in my fellow it shall the air, it shall it More sines de coros
6: the deer
5: in the shade pain says <laughs> in no single oh the in the says <laughs> in the that in نمول خد به تراد or ناز که زر به تیسی می رو شمایی نارا خام Seeds farofes for rope as the seed right, my wrath A morning
6: dead, but the eyes
5: of in the the
3: terror the that
5: Rabbi says, in Read av khatsotros are true so Hell is so of Togas, and try so
0: with the words in our, on our lips the Shuvi Yerushalayim returning to Yerushalayim
1: the next kina follows very
0: appropriately the next kina that we're going to read is kina 36 this is one of the most impactful and oft copied kina a kina that longingly speaks of Jerusalem and of Eretz Israel. This is a kina that was written by Rabbi Yehuda Halevi, the author of the Khuzari, great Torah scholar, great poet. And he's probably best known, in addition to his work with the Kruzari, best known for his undying love for Eretz Yisrael, for Israel. He's one of the greatest lovers of Zion, of Eretz Yisrael, that we have in our history. His kinos, his poems, are, are the beautiful poetic quality in your word choice, the gorgeous pictures that he depicts, and the emotion that he invokes. And all that skill and talent that Akarash Baruch Hu gave him is directed towards the West. Libi is directed towards Eretz Yisrael. I had a conversation with my Rebbe, Rebbe Yitzhak Berkowitz, a couple of weeks ago, last week, and I mentioned that as we go into Tishabav, there's a feeling in the air among some some in our community, more in other communities, that in a certain sense were tired of mourning, or at least being in a kind of a state of mourning, experiencing all the distancing measures these past few months. Many of the ways in which we mourn are kind of replicated by some of the distancing measures. We don't have simchas, we don't have gatherings the way we used to, we don't go to weddings, we don't go to concerts, there's no music, we don't go out to eat, you know. Prohibition against wine and meat, and there's some similarities, although it's not nearly in the same stratosphere. Um, but there's this uh, kind of feeling in there that we've been doing this for a while, and coming fish above, uh, it's hard. It's hard to, to, to dig deep, it's hard to mourn again in a different way, even though there is absolutely no comparison. I'm not saying there is. Just noting the attitude that some people um, undoubtedly possess he mentioned that there are two types of kinos, generally speaking, in very, in very broad terms. There's the kinos of the Be'lazerah value, most of them focusing on the terrible loss and tragedy. And then there's the kinos of the Yehuda Halevi, And that's more focused on the notion of longing, of wanting for something other, wanting for something greater. That's also focused on Tisha Longing is kind of a feeling that's missing in our lexicon. We're like a little too comfortable. we And this, the idea, the notion of a longing, of wanting for something else, something great, something above, something different, is a little missing and very much present in this keynote. Eretz Yisrael is also something that people are speaking about now a lot.
1: My colleagues in Israel tell
0: me that the that the uh, projected numbers for Aliyah this coming here are the highest they've been in a very, very long time. It's, it's, very, it's very noticeable. Everyone is speaking about, oh, you know, maybe it's time to move on. Maybe it's time to actually uproot and make Aliyah. But the way that a lot of people are talking about it, and it's understandable, is that we want to make Aliyah, we want to go to earth Israel as an escape, from America, as an escape from the situation that we're in, and not indicating that it is terrible, but there are those who have perceived it as as terrible, and things are just turning downhill, let's get out of here. And the feeling kind of feels like maybe the way people thought, uh, our ancestors thought in in Eastern Europe, you know, things are going downhill, let's, let's let's get out of here, let's go to America, let's go to America, there there's hope, there's a chance for the future, there's a lot to be gained. And there's this feeling, that hey, let's go somewhere else, we're in America now, time for the next chapter of history, let's go to Israel. And that's, it's a nice thought to have, avalzeh lozeh, that's not it, that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about Israel. We're not talking about a solution for our problems, we're not talking about an escape from where we are, so where are we going to go? Let's go to a country that likes us, let's go to Eretz Israel. let's go to Israel. That's not what Israel is, and that's not what we should be longing for. It could be in practical terms, it makes sense, but that's not the longing that is expressed in Eskina, that is expressed in the Jewish soul. Now it's also interesting, in addition to the notion of longing for Eretz Israel, and when we long for Eretz Israel, really we don't long to get on an El Al plane and land in Ben Gurion and get in an overcrowded taxi and drive to Yerushalayim or whatever, which I think we do long for. We really long for Eretz the way that it's supposed to be. Eretz Yisrael, with the Shekhinah pulsating through the land in a way that we can actually perceive. That's the Eretz that we long for, but in addition to that Eretz on a Lower Simmer, we also long for the physical land now, as it is now. It's one thing that's very interesting in this Hina, take out just one line, that the Yehudah HaLevi longs for that land. Right? It's Yisrael. Uh, uh, I'm going to have to refer to this, I'll just read it to you. It's on page 328 in the Hardsville, just one line. I'll read it and translate it. He says in the middle, "Yinam l'nafshi haloch arom v'yakfei v'yakhi alayich haruval shalmama asher hayal The article translates, My soul would be pleased, walking unclothed and barefoot, among the desolate ruins where Holy of Holies once stood. He expresses here and other places a longing to go now, heralding in what's going to be. And, you know, I I think that that's something that we also can identify with, and we can relate to, is the feeling of wanting to go now for the right reasons. Even though Eretz Yisrael is uh, incredibly imperfect, imperfect now, and long for its perfection. It's imperfect and lacking, the leadership is, is lacking, the, in, the political infighting is unbelievable, the recognition, the lack of recognition of the inseparable union of Torah and the Jewish people, is also lacking, but there's also a lot there, even now, and we want to
6: go there. One of, when we, when we personally, this
0: has a lot of personal re- relevance to myself and my family, uh, we lived, we started our family, we started our life in Eric's Israel, lived it for many years, when I told one of my good friends um, that I'm going to have the opportunity to come here to Atlanta and it is indeed an opportunity um, and this is a friend that we, I spoke to heart to heart and we talked about the possibility, you know, maybe it's time for you as well to take your kofas and nefesh the skills and the experiences that you received here and go and try to Help Jews in the diaspora. And he looked at me in horror, as if I just hit him with something. And he said, It's like you're asking me and telling me, you know, you have such wonderful skills. Why don't you go desecrate Shabbos, the Machal Shabbos, in the for the sake of the greater good? I understood who he was coming from. Even with, even, even with his imperfections, Eretz Yisrael, even now, is still Eretz Yisrael. And to him, to leave Eretz Yisrael was incongenable, and for me, it was halfway there as well. And that's a feeling of longing that we should all be having as well. Even though we may be right, the first line here in the keynote, "Sion, hallo Siyon, will you not inquire with Shlom Asirayach about the welfare of your imprisoned." Those who seek your welfare, the remnant of your flocks. What's asirayeth, the fifth word here, those who are imprisoned? doesn't mean literally imprisoned. Yes, there were times that we couldn't get to Eretz Yisrael for the vast majority of our history. Now we can, or hopefully soon we can jump on a plane and
4: go. But
0: yet we're still asirayeth, we're still imprisoned and trapped. There's a reason we're here. There's a good reason that we're here some for beautiful community, some for panasa, for livelihood, for many different reasons why we are here. But we should recognize that we are Asirat. We need to recognize that we are trapped. And somebody who is trapped, part of the definition, one of the representations of being trapped is wanting to get in, wanting to leave but not wanting to leave to get out, wanting to leave to go to somewhere else, to go to the Makwam of that HaKadosh Baruch will be master his shina, where his presence is felt in some degree now, will be, will be felt even more in the future. So, with that in mind, let's read these beautiful words of Rabbi Huda HaLevi as he expressed his longing for Eretz Yisrael, and let us also conjure our own longing, Four
3: years as well. See, on the the have
4: I yeah. uh, i <laughs> see <laughs> 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 <laughs>
3: The next Kina that will be reciting is skin 41
0: Kena 41 appears on page 558, 358 in the art scrolls. I don't know if it's the new one or the old one. Kena 41. This mural, I will give a very brief introduction to the kena as the morning uh, is getting late this year. Um, then after 41, it will be followed by Elit Sion, which is kena 45, which will be led by Yonasan Givant. And we will close then with um, Kino 47, written, written by Rabbi Shilin and presented by Rabbi Moshe Hiller. Um, that's the addition to our kinos, reflecting and a reflection upon the most recent korban, that of the Holocaust. Current kino that we we're reciting is Kino 41, to offer just a brief thought about what this kino is about. Um, this kino was written by Rabbi Mayer of Rottenberg was one of the greatest Rishonim early commentaries. He was the Rebbe of the Great Rush. He fam- famously lived a life that was so dedicated to Torah, so dedicated to Jewish people. He went to, to great lengths to support them in many different ways, including the literal personal sacrifice of, at the end of his life when he was imprisoned, the last seven years of his life. And he it. he ruled that the Jewish community must not ransom him. must must not pay the ransom because that will have a a spiraling effect on the community and it could lead to other tragedies and captives. And therefore, he literally gave of himself the last seven years of his life to benefit the Jewish people. What he expresses here in this keynote is astonishment and horror at a certain event that happened in Paris in the year 1242. In the year 1242 in Paris, there was the burning of the Talmud, burning of the Talmud, also many other Jewish books. The Christian authority found an excuse, um, an accusation, accusations of incitement, and, um, and other reasons that they felt justified they justification to gather up as many Jewish books as they could find and burn them in the public square of Paris, in the year 1242. It was a fantastic catastrophe because, at the time, first of all, because our holy books were burnt, and second of all, because there was no printing press in those days. Every one of those books was, 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 was uh, had to be written by hand, and copied by hand, at great effort, and great expense. So it was burning, not just of the caduce in the books, but also, there was a feeling of despair of being able to regain that which was lost. So, one thing for us is the fantastic love that's pulsating through this kina for Torah Hashem, for the Torah, and for the physical books that we have, the actual books that are in our hands. This is Kedusha, Uh, it's Kedusha itself, covers maybe tashmisha Kedusha, it's an amazing thing, We have this unbelievable spiritual force, spiritual notion of Kedusha of Holiness that gets translated into the physical, words and we can, the physical world that we can touch and we can feel it. The Sefer Torah is obviously the greatest example of this, but that also applies to other Sifre Kodesh. We have a lack of appreciation of Sifre Kodesh in our generation because a book is no longer the only way to get information. Many other ways to get information and books perhaps they're not as precious as they once were. We have Hebrew books, we have Sefariah, we have Ozerah Tachma, you can get anything, anywhere, at any time. But uh, the actual physical printed word, word is something so precious as the it Torah itself is so precious. I'm remembering now with Nelson Finkel, Satsal, used to tell us of a um, of an insight into his um, into his uh it's a lazy Udo of was the Mira Shashita who took in Rubnastan Svi Finkel. He was the uh, grandfather of Bhattha Svi's Rabitsin. And um, he was he took in Rubatan Svi and really set him on his path towards greatness. And Rathan Svi told us several times that his insight into Revlezi Yudel's attachment to Torah came when he was uh, used to sleep on the couch in Revlezi Yudel's apartment. And he would be woken up sometimes by Revlezi Yudel, the Rosh Hashiva, coming into the room where, you know, the all purpose room, you know, there's a salon in Israel, it's the everything room. And they have this there, they have the table there, and the couch is there. And he'd be sleeping on the couch and he would see the great Rosh Hashiva of Lezi Finkel, future grandfather-in-law, come into the room early, early in the morning and walk over to the bookcase and wrap his arms across shas, across the tomboy, give it a hug. We should feel the same way, See these these sparrows should be hugging them. Sparrows in our house, the sparrows in our libraries—they need a hug. It wasn't always possible to hug them, and that's what's expressed in this hymn. You know, Memaluf page 358. Shalus loofa ve'esh, shloma bilayet. Nesavim shechor matasas
3: burayet. Ashoaf laferesan, kamevi. निश्चित हूं नहीं हूं कि डूबने वाले दोस्तों का शेयर करेंगे और ज्यादा तर वो भी दोस्तों के साथ है
4: I'm mm-hmm. 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 O que é que você para o
3: This <laughs> one <laughs>
7: And then I guess to sing Kina Menhei and to stand on page three ninety in mind. <laughs>
1: Yash must
7: adore, Yalbyas, Adore, as they go, the short face, and a shed a face me depot, The ta bala laha nay do be vi Saki, the Padu, the only thing the ye israavu ve
1: Which was written by Rev Schwab um, in memory of uh Forbanet When uh, Rabbi Foxbrunner uh, you know asked me to say a few words about it and said that you know we have to be brief because of the current situation, um, you know, it evoked some feelings. Um, you know, when we talk about I'll come to think about it, for Europa, uh, we could go on and on and on and on and on. And I was reminded of the Gemara that discusses, um, that coming into the base medrash. Somebody was davening and he was saying a lot of um adjectives describing Hashem. We in Shemanese so just say, This uh, fellow was going on and on and on so he asked them, you know, have you finished everything? Have you, have you said everything to totally encapsulate and depict HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Clearly not. Clearly our describing the greatness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who is infinite is beyond any human being's capability. So therefore he told them, really we can't say anything. We say three things that the Prophet said, those words, "A gadol so that's what we say, but we don't try to say any more because we can never do it justice. It's, it's blasphemous. And in a certain extent, uh, uh, aspect, when I think about you know discussing Korbanai Ropa, it's the same kind of a thing. I think it's, it's important and incumbent upon us to first realize we have no concept of what was destroyed. And not only do we not have a concept of what was destroyed, we don't even have a concept of the fact that we don't have a concept. We don't even realize what we don't realize. And this is a lot of different aspects to it. You know, when they had the Eifman trial in Yershalayan, uh, in so one of the things that the prosecute, uh, prosecutors wanted to do was to give a sense of what it was that Eifman had destroyed. So they brought in, a professor from Columbia University by the name of Salo Meyer Barone. He had written a 15-volume work, The Social and Religious History of the Jews, just for him to describe a little bit what Jewish communities were like, what the um, Chesed organizations were like, what the Rumachs were like, what the soup kitchens were like, what the Heber Mishnayis were like, all these types of things, just to give a little bit of, a, of an understanding what it was that the Germans had destroyed. They called him in for a while and he gave a, a brief testimony, 15 volumes. We don't even have a concept of that. Of all the things that Jewish communities had developed over centuries and centuries, Baruch Hashem in the United States and in Israel, we, there's also a tremendous amount of social institutions and cheser organizations, etc. But we are still in our, maybe our adolescence compared to the development of what had happened here. These are things that we don't have a concept of. Needless to say, we have no concept of what it was that people went through. We should never know of such things, but we need to, to be aware of, of, of a little bit. People went with the deprivation in the ghettos, the starvation, the humiliation, the fear, Lack of basic necessity of so many people living together without proper sanitary conditions, without uh, you know, plumbing situations, and so on, when people were, were shoved into uh, so many people into apartments and so on. These are things we have no concept of. So, that's just, I think, something that's important for us to all realize that when we sit there and we, and, we, and we reflect upon what was lost, we need to realize we have no concept of what was lost, and we can never have a concept, we never should have a concept of what was lost. We should be aware of that and look at them from, from that kind of a, a perspective. That's number one. Um, m- number two, we need to realize that uh, you know where Shab here speaks about the Asaira. You know, a lot of times we think about the Holocaust and, and we've heard you know all the uh, very inspiring stories of, of the Great Dalem, of Anawasaman. Yasetsna, etc., etc., But sometimes what's overlooked is the, the, the simple Jews. Mamash said the simple Jews of who they were. These are people that we never met, people that we never had a chance to get to know, to be influenced by, to be inspired by. There's a sefer called uh, Shalas and Shubhas Minashaya, Responsive from the Holocaust, that was written by Rabbi Fraim Ashri. He was a Roman in Europe and um, during the war, the Germans uh, put him um, in the ghetto and they, the Germans were collecting a lot of Jewish books from all the libraries, but a medrash because they wanted eventually to have a museum to show that the, the lost culture of, uh, you know, of, 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 uh, of the Jews once uh, the had to would have been successful and so on. And he was put uh, in charge of catalog, catalog, cataloging um, those books. So he had access to Svarim and people found out about this in different uh, ghettos when they had different sh- uh, questions. And Halafa, so he would get a lot of uh, questions because a lot of Rabbanim who were in camps or ghettos didn't have access to anything, they didn't have access to Svarim and they uh, were hesitant to answer such difficult questions that were being posed to them. But he had access to something so he collected the things that he uh, that he was asked, and he put out a sefer after the war. It's called Response in English. They translate it's called Response my So, in one in one of the Shilas that he has um, came from uh, a year from Poland who was uh, in one of the ghettos, and he was assigned to some sort of a labor detail, whatever. And apparently, he did something not to the liking of his uh, German uh, taskmaster, and he took his trudgeon and he. You know, pulverized him and beat him to a, to a pulp, and literally knocked out every tooth in his mouth. Knocked out every tooth in his mouth. So, you know, he recuperated to whatever level that he was able to continue working and doing whatever. And uh, a short while later, it was coming up to Pesach. So this yid wrote a question to Rav Ashri. And he wanted to know that somehow in the ghetto they were going to be able to get a hold of a little bit of matzo. But uh, he didn't have any teeth. So, so he, couldn't, he couldn't chew the matzo. So what he thought of, someone mentioned to him that if he would soak it in water <clears throat> and make it very soft so he could just perhaps chew it with his gums a little bit and then he could be able to swallow it, swallow his eyes. So his question to Rabbi Shri was, he came from a Hasidic Shahan. and of course they didn't eat the broths. So his shayla was, what should he do? You know, to take the matzah and to soak it in water would be a violation of, uh, of of the broths that he, you know, he knew from his father's house. They never, they never let the water touch any matzah. So he didn't know what to do. So he, has, he sent the shayla to Rabbi Shri. And, of course, he told them that, uh, you know, under the circumstances, he definitely should do it. Eating matzah, of course, is a, is a mitzvah from the Torah. Uh, and, you know, that that's the that's the, basically the extent of the Torah. But what I think it's worthwhile for us to, uh, just to look at, you know, who who is this Eve? who Who is this Yid? It seems to me that it wasn't, you know, from the big G'deulin and the Ga'inan because we all know G'doylan is not a halach. It's a minhug that started a couple hundred years ago in certain communities in Europe. Spartan they don't know what G'doylan is. And most Ashkenazim don't know what G'doylan is. It's a minhug. M'nagham are important. But M'nagham clearly never stand in the way of a mitzvah so the question to begin with is it's not really a question. If anyone has a solid basis or even a little basis of learning halakha, you realize it, it's not a question. So apparently this Yid perhaps was not that steeped in learning. You know, grew up in a house, whatever it was, and had to start working as a team, whatever it was. But yet despite that, him not being like you know, you know, one of the Gaine hadar, but yet take a look at, at where he was holding. In other words, he so much wanted to eat matzah, but on the other hand, to, to the extent of, he has no teeth in his mouth, but he doesn't know what to do. This is an example of just a simple yid, one, of, one of, of millions that we lost, who there devotion to Torah, the devotion to Mitzvahs, and so on. It, it was just who they were. It wasn't something like, I am this, and then I also have to keep the Torah. The Torah was, was, was who they were. And these are things that people are saying, we never met people like this, and we'll never have a chance to meet people like this. But this is part of what we don't have a concept of, 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 uh, of who it was that uh, that was lost. The last point I want to make is something that uh, also important that uh, despite the fact that what happened to Europa was clearly, you know, the worst tragedy that has happened to us uh, since the Corbin and Bias, But uh, we realized a couple of things. Number one, every little thing, every person, every little thing was a shared. If you, you read the history of, of what happened in World War II, you see that every little step along the way how everything was shared, everything was being divinely orchestrated. This was clearly Hakadosh Baruch plan, which of course we don't understand. Something that we always have to have to uh, internalize and in, remember. In, 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 in. But also that this is an expression. This is also a continuation of the Goyos. Know, we heard, you know, several times. I was privileged to hear from Rav in Boston, and other who said that um, we should never take a look at the Holocaust as being like a separate event that happened. In our exile, rather, this is a continuation of the Korban Habayas, just like we have the Kenes that we say for the Crusades, for the burning of the Talmud, for the Gazeles of Tafletat, etc. The, the Holocaust was another continuation of, uh, of the same thing, and he brought riots from the Kenes themselves, from the Balytoises, who said uh, who said about this. And to realize that this is all, all the destruction and all the uh, and all the suffering that we're dealing with is all. Goes back to Tishabov, the destruction of the base of Mikdash, and uh, and so on. And, and through that, we can um, strengthen ourselves to try to repair uh, all the things that brought that about and get to uh, to go back eventually to Yushalayim and to forget these Saras. So.